fighting for freedom every day. They're learning at a young age. They're being taught the socialists control the ones that are blaming Republicans for being Nazis, for being fascists, the ones that are promoting some type of cancel culture, the ones that are promoting some type of agenda of uh, shadow banning. Realize at a young age that, hey, sure, you can have your freedom of speech, but we can block your funding. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yeah, darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. It is our number two of the program, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here at the Hoosier Media Network Studios as we give you our weekend edition. Recapping the week of insanity and craziness going on in Washington, D.C. You are fake news. Yeah, I know. That's fine. We do the best we can, though. So welcome into the program. Lots to get to this hour. And we're going to do something we usually don't do on the program, but I'm really happy to have on for a full entire hour our new guest that we'll introduce here in just a second. We got cut off in hour number one real quickly. So if you want, again, that deal that is being offered to you, if you order $100 and you get an extra $100 of product, sent to you, uh, which is thrivelife.com, thrivelife.com. Great partners here on the program and uh, get that stuff. Again, it's healthy and it is a way to stock up and preserve and be prepared for whatever may come. So check them out, thrivelife.com and let them know that you heard it here on The Voice of Reason. All right, let's get into what's trending for the day. What's trending today? By the way, real quickly, I, I have to say I love the little nuggets of surprises you get every once in a while. I was going through my pocket during the break, and I found my tie clip in my pocket. <laughs> and I was really, I haven't seen it in like six months. I, I thought I lost it. I thought it was gone. But lo and behold, there you go. That's why you keep things. My wife gets mad at me when I leave things in my pocket for her to wash. I like it because then I get little extra surprises when I wear them again. I'm just saying. Uh, all right, let's get to our guest line here, shall we? As I met this individual just a couple of weeks ago, visiting down at the southern border, and as we got to travel to McAllen, Texas, had tip to Americans for Prosperity Foundation, giving us the opportunity to see the southern border, to see what's going on with the immigration crisis, the border crisis, the cartel issue, the crime issue, all the shenanigans that are going down there. And as we've tried to do a recap on the program, it's been hard to really explain it until you've actually seen it firsthand. You've experienced it firsthand. And what better way to experience it to actually be part of that system is our guest today. Really happy to have on the program. You may have seen him on Fox News and News Nation and other media outlets as well as he was. Uh, he is a retired Border Patrol chief that's uh, gone through numerous different areas at the southern border. And he's going to be my new best friend with all the stuff that we have in common. Excited to have on the program, Mr. Chris Clem. Chris, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, good afternoon, Andy. And, and really, thank you for having me on. And, and thanks for talking about finding your tie clip because I was reaching in my pocket and I found a $5 <laughs> bill that I didn't know was there. So this is already <laughs> See, I'm telling you. be a great day. <laughs> I'm telling you, five dollars you just randomly found in your pocket—the golden gems that you have when you just randomly stick stuff in your pack in your pockets. It's amazing. So, no, Chris, it's it's great to meet you. It was so good to meet you a couple weeks ago at the border. The fact that, that all the experience that you've had, which we're going to get into throughout the hour here, is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, in the but, wouldn't you agree that it's hard to describe the issue at the border unless you've actually seen it and experienced it? Yeah, no, I agree with you because it is fluid. It is dynamic. Uh, every segment and uh, of the border geographically, um, infrastructure-wise, population centers are, are completely different all along the border from at least the southern border uh, that, that I've got the most experience, from Brownsville, Texas to Brownfield, California. Every, every sector, we like to call it, uh, are different, have different challenges, and so do the communities that are in those areas. So, yes, until you see it, until you get down there firsthand or talk to people like yourself and myself that have lived it and been down there, and visited, it's really hard to kind of wrap around because 
what you see on TV is is really kind of the angle of what the camera is showing you or what the uh, the story of the day is. But you have to go down there and meet the people, see the culture, understand what's happening, you, and you see the challenges when you do that. Yeah, it is a, a definitely an eye-opener for sure. It changed my perspective on it, watching it firsthand. Uh, now, I have to ask you the question, how many individuals, as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has told us, how many people are actually drinking toilet water down there? <laughs> uh, it's so funny you should ask. None of them, at least not in Border Patrol <laughs> custody. I, I can tell you that uh, I was the deputy chief, which is the number two position at the time in El Paso, when uh, that famous visit happened. And... Uh, Fortunately, I had a congressional delegation the day before, and so I flipped a coin with the chief and said, well, I'll take you know, heads I go on Monday, two I go on Tuesday. Well, I got heads, so I, I dealt with the other uh, congressional delegation. I wasn't there, but I can tell you, after every visit from that famous visit, I have drank water out of that uh, holding cell and that apparatus more times than everyone, and I never got sick, and it never was a problem. And for those that may or not may – not, understand or recognize what you're talking about every holding cell from you know prisons to temporary holding cells like border patrol has it's a system right it's a it's a it's a steel stainless steel bathroom that has a toilet a hand washing station and a, a water faucet on it so if and when someone wants to get a drink of water and they're in a holding cell they can drink there but it is like described as the baño which is spanish for bathroom and and so that's what she did that's what she said completely out of text and their context and only those that were there could correct her. But you know, what do you, well, I want to, she's not the brightest. It's all right. She's not the brightest one. I mean, she is the one that doesn't know what a garbage disposal is either. So I guess there is that. Uh, But uh, so talk about your experience coming from the El Paso area and Yuma area that you, that you were part of with the border patrol. I've heard, I've never been to El Paso. My wife has, but are those some of the more crime ridden areas? Well, so I'll give you a little background for you, for the listeners, and just to kind of and get to that question. I, I did 27 and a half years in the Border Patrol. I started off in a small town of Lordsburg, New Mexico, which is part of the El Paso sector. They were responsible for that area of the border. And I, I mean, I've, I've moved around, been to Washington, D.C., uh, worked there, New Orleans, Louisiana, but I spent a lot of time in El Paso. And, we, and, and that, that city is a dynamic city. The Border Patrol was founded in El Paso in 1924, so that, that is where we started. And uh, we have seen so much through our agency, and that city has too. I will tell you about the crime in El Paso and what it's gone through. In the 80s, 60 Minutes did a, uh, an episode about one of the most dangerous highways and cities in the country, and that was El Paso because of the border and the violence that was happening. But let me tell you something. Over the course of a decade, so I'm talking early 90s now, when we started building infrastructure in the form of chain link fence to steel uh, steel wall to really uh, harden infrastructure, now the crime rate in El Paso, you know, plummeted, and it is one of America's uh, safest cities when you look at the large city population because you guessed it, border patrol and border security making a city safe, making both uh, borders safe. Now, I will I will tell you in the audience this that there was times in the late two thousands. 2008 to 10, 11, uh, where they had a lot of cartel violence uh, in Juarez. So that made things a little uncomfortable for a lot of people. But you know what? Yeah. El Paso remains safe because of infrastructure and the law enforcement down there. Um, Yuma's had its problems in the early 2000s as well with a lot of cross-border crime. But both of them are, are relatively safe cities because we have a, a strong foundation of law enforcement, a law enforcement community there. And, and that makes all the difference. 
It really does. One of the stories you told when we were down there and we were seeing the border and you gave the speech uh, that day, one of the stories you had mentioned was the struggle working with law enforcement from the Mexican side because of the involvement with the cartels and how many people you actually ran through over your reign in actually working with the police department from the other side of Mexico. Talk about what you experienced there and how stable or instable is the Mexican government on this issue? Well, it's a great question, and, and I'll go back to the El Paso days in the late uh, 2000s, uh, 2008, 9, and 10, when all the violence was happening down there in Juarez uh, with the cartels. You know, that was uh, very, very much a challenge for our partners on the other side. Uh, and I think, like the story you're referring to, is we would have monthly meetings with our, our counterparts in Mexico, um, and they were changing week, uh, monthly uh, because, unfortunately, uh, these police chiefs were, uh, were being killed and being assaulted, uh, removed from position. And so that's, uh, that makes it very difficult because, you know, it's hard for the government to step up and people want to do the right thing on the south side of the border there when, uh, when their lives are threatened the way they were. Um, fast forward to the way things have been uh, over uh, the last few years. I, I can tell you this, and, and I, um, it, it's, it's a matter of fact because I experienced it. Uh, under President Trump, we had a, a very uh, forward-leaning, um, you know, policy and expectations with Mexico to work with us to slow down. Uh, the illegal entries into the United States and, and, and things coming into Mexico. When we would meet with the uh, government officials, it was a true collaborative partnership. They, they understood that, you know, Mexico City and Washington, D.C. were on the same page, and we worked very closely to, to drive numbers down to keep illegal immigration uh, uh, through Mexico and at our border down. Uh, unfortunately, that, that changed uh, under, uh, under the current administration, and, and again, the story I told you is I, there was times where I would be in Mexico and we'd be talking about operations and it would be, you know, chief, what can we do to help you to the next, you know, fast forward, you know, 2021, 22. Sorry, chief, we, we can't help you. It was literally things like that. And, and, and that's wow. just the pressure and the influence that uh, that the cartels uh, and, and, and again, the lack of will coming out of Washington at times to, to hold people accountable and get things done. It is unfortunate. We're talking with Chris Clem, a Border Patrol chief, retired, which you can find on his Tweety, at official. You can follow him there and see all the content that he has. Let's talk uh, now in 2023, the ending of Title 42 that was implemented under the Trump administration to try and at least slow down illegal immigration. We had some of it at least contained. We had seen some of the numbers go down compared to previous years. That's gone now, although the Biden administration says that we're seeing less illegal immigrants coming in because all they're doing is giving them an app, giving them an appointment to come in, check in, do the two-minute screen through the military that's down there, look at them. Apparently, they can tell whether they have ill intentions or not. They're healthy. They have uh, someone to actually sponsor them. They go on about their day, and then we let them into the country. Now they say that we have a massive decrease in illegal immigration. Chris, what the heck? Is this really true? Is this what's happening right now? No, I mean... (laughs) It, it just it's just spin of stats. Let me let me give you some numbers, and, and y'all can find this. Uh, all your listeners can go onto a CBP website, uh, the public facing uh, uh, website, and go through the stats. I'll just read them off to you, and you guys can can figure out uh, the overall apprehensions for the entire U.S. Border Patrol in fiscal year 17 was 310,000. All right, we had a spike in 19 of about 859,000. You look at uh, fiscal year 20, it was down to 400,000. This is all across the United States Border Patrol. Now, now let's get to what's really happened. At fiscal year 21, 1.6 million. Fiscal year 22, 2.2 million. 
And so far, through May of this fiscal year, so October of last year through May, $1.4 million. So this is looking at the already to be the third highest uh, apprehension data or numbers in the last 20-plus years. So the bodies, the migrants that have made their trek to our southern border, um, they didn't go anywhere when Title 42 went away. The numbers are still coming in. They're still averaging 3,000-plus arrests a day on the southwest border, um, and there are still 30,000 people a month minimum coming in using this app. So, and the app is just that. It's just a, it's a, like a pre-screening. Um, they're not getting really hands-on and getting deep diving into these, these folks making an attempt to come in uh, uh, through, the, through the ports. Uh, their hearings and their follow-ups are, are literally, you know, months or years away. So this is still a, a, a crazy chaotic situation. People are still making their way to our southern border every day. And they're still paying the cartels every day, and they're still being exploited every day. This app, look, I'm telling you, Andy, all you have to do is attempt to say, I tried to use it, I lost coverage, and that gets you a place in line. Again, you wow. can't do that at the local, uh, local restaurants or local uh, – yeah, try that at, a, at an eatery saying, oh, I tried to log in, I need my table now. Yeah, that, that won't happen. Yeah, no, that doesn't quite happen. We can try it, but we can see how well that actually works for us. We're talking with Chris Cullen. We've got to take a break. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation on where did this come from? Where did the cartels get all this power, and how did they rise into power so quickly at the southern border when this didn't used to be an issue 20, 30-plus years ago? We'll do some of that when we come back here for the weekend edition here on The Voice of Reason. Lots more to get to. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Is the Voice of Reason trying to cram that 10 pounds reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time? Multiple radio stations all over the place. We appreciate you hanging out with us for another weekend on our weekend edition of the Voice of Reason. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends, speaking of at Americans for Prosperity, they are the largest grassroots organization in the entire nation. Did you know that they are amazing? They are all over the place fighting for conservative values, trying to bring some transparency to the government, individual freedom, individual sovereignty, reigniting that American dream. Why do you think there's so many people trying to come across our southern border right now, desperate to get into the United States? Because even though uh, there's some that don't believe it here in our country, they still recognize that there is the American dream. The streets paved with gold, the opportunity for everyone, lady freedom, standing outside there, holding that torch and letting people know that we are here for you to take that opportunity because we create opportunities unlike any other nation on the face of the earth. And we need to preserve that because it's dwindling pretty quickly. Americans for Prosperity, you're helping that. Whether you want to help by financially donating to them, whether you want to be walking outdoors and knocking doors and helping out, volunteering, just talking to people, making phone calls, running the state chapters, whatever you do, you can do it. They have 36 state chapters all over the nation. And last year alone for the midterm elections, knocked on over 1.5 million doors across the nation, and they're gearing geared up for the 2024 election as well, helping for fighting for those freedom-valued messages. Reignite that American dream. Help them do that online at americansforprosperity.org, americansforprosperity.org. Go and check them out. Support them. Support that fight to limit government and bring some freedom back. 
to the American people. Right now, we're hanging out with Chris Clem, a Border Patrol chief retired uh, that has seen one side of the border all the way to the other side as we continue to fight this massive issue. And Chris, uh, another thing that you had mentioned that I kind of chuckled at and never really thought of when uh, when we went down there was you had mentioned that the walls that are being built are a way to slow individuals down, not to actually stop them. <laughs> and I found that quite fascinating. Well, you know, it, it is it is important for people to know, right? Because um, you've heard the arguments, uh, you know, uh, you build a 30-foot wall, they have a 30-foot ladder, right, or a 31-foot ladder. Look, yeah. infrastructure, especially, especially the wall, um, is designed to impede and deny, control, and contain. And as you saw down there in South Texas along the river, you can't put the wall on the river or in the river. So it, it is really, it's not impeding an entry. It's not denying an entry. It's actually controlling the entry. And in, and that's, I love how you brought this up because this is important. Uh, so many people, you know, think of just the wall. Well, I can tell you from the Border Patrol perspective, the, the wall system is what was most important under President Trump. It wasn't just the, the wall was the campaign slogan. The wall system was what was important to us. That included access road, infrastructure uh, was the wall, but technology, sensor packages, all of this stuff was, was a requirement that people like myself as a field chief uh, heard from my agents, the men and women that I led, said this is what we need to control our border. And we packaged that up, and we had a president back uh, under President Trump that you know wanted to make that a priority. And and while it was hijacked because of the campaign and and the, and the political rhetoric, uh, it was working for us on the border. And again, the where it makes sense. And and I think if you can indulge me a few more seconds, the, the, everyone needs to understand that our our border is so dynamic. We operate in three different environments: urban environments where it literally takes seconds to minutes and people can vanish. Then we have rural uh, uh, areas where we talk about, you know, minutes to hours, and then the remote area. Again, don't need a wall in every spot in a remote area if I don't have people and in, in technology to help me with it because they'll get up and over. But by golly, in, in the area where they can disappear within seconds, we have to have something to slow them down or, or – or they'll just get away all day long. And, of course, we know lots get away. But, uh, yeah, infrastructure yeah. Is, is critical, but it's just it's one piece of the puzzle. Yeah, it is one piece of the puzzle. That's a fascinating topic. You're right. Uh, when we come back, I want to wrap that one up as we can kind of continue on this conversation. Also, some other stuff you're working on. But it is any way to slow them down to give you as much resource and opportunity as you can to try and catch someone coming into the country illegally. Do some more of that when we come back here. Last half hour on the home stretch this here for The Voice of Reason. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. meets radio this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier you know i say every week that we run so short on time we got so much to talk about and so little time to actually do it we're just gonna have to extend this to like two or three or four or five hours why not chad i'm sure you'd enjoy that as my uh, producer back in dallas for <laughs> the program sitting there for the next five hours oh my gosh will this guy stop talking Welcome back into the program on the home stretch here as we hang out with Chris Clem today. You can find him on the Tweety at C. Clem Official. He is a retired Border Patrol chief across uh, from really from one part of the border all the way to the other, Texas, all the way to California. And Chris, as we kind of wrap this portion of the conversation up, I got to ask you, as a Border Patrol agent, as a chief with the 27 years that you've been doing this, 
what, like you said, and is kind of we wrapped up with that last segment. What is the number one thing that Border Patrol actually needs? Is it more money? Is it more manpower? Is it just more legislation for walls? What is it that they actually need to try and get this under control? Well, it's all of the above, but that's an easy way out. What we need is the is the policy coming out of Washington D.C. that that really sends a clear message that you cannot violate our laws. I mean, you were talking about how people come here for for it's still the greatest country. Uh, in the world, uh, and, and I've talked about this in, in different formats, that this isn't a brute force solution when it comes down to mass illegal migration, but it is, uh, it is policy-based. And, and we had policies in place under President Trump that uh, were working, and, and that was highly effective. So when you combine the requirements on the border, uh, infrastructure in the form of a wall, technology, access roads, and people, and you put the muscle behind that with policy saying you don't get to, you know, bypass and step foot in six, seven different countries uh, and then only claim asylum when you've made an illegal entry in the United States to avoid removal. I mean, we need to reaffirm those policies. The laws are there that state that, but unfortunately, yeah, and I guess fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the executive branch has its authority to do things, and that's where the policy is hurting us. That's what President Biden did on January 21st, uh, 2021. He eliminated things that were working for us, and then the numbers just backed that up. I mean, so this isn't an emotional opinion response. This is a matter of fact. And so, yeah, we need we do need some legislative actions to solidify some some things. Um, you know, we're still operating under a 1986 immigration framework with very little changes in the laws over the last 30, 40 years. Uh, and so when Congress fails to act, ju- the, the judicial branch gets in because they have advocacy groups filing lawsuits all the time, and, and execute, uh, the executive branch ends up executing, and they're not always in line. Um, but let me tell you this real quick and, and, and move on to wrap this up, is, is border security and immigration are not mutual ex- mutually exclusive. You and I talked about that in, in South Texas. We there should be no. I mean, look, this is called the voice of reason. I think that securing our border should be a nonpartisan, nonpolitical issue. I mean, we have locks on our doors, on our bathroom doors, in our own homes, but we have people arguing that we shouldn't put locks on the front door. Uh, you've heard me say, tall fences, wide gates. Tall fences represent the security side of keeping America and Americans safe, and wide gates is the lawful entry points along the southwest border, along the northern border, along our coastal area, to where lawful trade and travel, commerce, people can come through here the way it's designed. And, you know, again, I focus on the security piece. It just floors me that people aren't supportive of securing our nation's border. You know, we've talked heavily about people, but the things in the form of hard narcotics is a problem. I just got briefed from a DEA person last week. Just, just... Last year alone, I think there was 40 million fentanyl pills seized in the United States. 28 million of those were seized in Arizona, where I live. So far this year, through June, 29 million fentanyl pills seized in Arizona. So that is between the ports, at the ports, and that's what we're catching. And that's just one state. So this is a policy and, you know, a combination of policy and and resources to secure our border. I mean, look, we know fentanyl kills every day 
and it's coming in from Mexico. Uh, you know, people can argue that all day long, but those are the facts. And, uh, yeah, so we need we need the support. Continue to um, – oh, one last thing on this. You know, there's at least 40,000 sworn uh, law enforcement officers in New York City, yet there's less than 19,000 border patrol agents for the entire United States. <laughs> so so wow. when, when, our, when we put our numbers up for this year's budget, we asked for 3,000 to 5,000 more agents. We were graciously given 300. Uh, in the budget. Um, that doesn't keep up with attrition. So uh, this is policy. This is driven out of the White House. Um, you mentioned earlier, what, where did this come from? When did this start? And I can tell you, it started back in, you know, uh, probably about 2010. We started seeing changes in, in immigration trends, uh, unaccompanied children, family units from Central America. Now it's people from all over the world. And, and, and this is just human exploitation and profit uh, making from the cartels. So I applaud our legislative uh, representatives that uh, legislative representatives that want to recognize the threats the cartels have to this country because people all over the world are coming in. They're having to pay. They're having their lives put in uh, in harm's way. Heck, you heard it from uh, from our host down there in South Texas. Even the lawful trade coming through our ports, th- those folks are having to pay bribes on the south side just to come come north. So we've got to do some things from 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 the White House to hold. Uh, hold the source countries accountable, uh, support Mexico and, and their efforts to, to uh, take care of the cartel. But we also have to be smart in the way we deploy our resources to secure our border and, and backed by policy. And I think that's where we need to go because, look, we want people to come here and add value to this country, not take away from it. We have a hard enough time as it is, but we should be able to secure our border uh, and it shouldn't be an issue. And we need to wrap that up. And it's, it's about time you know, people roll up their sleeves and get busy. Um, the extremes on both sides of the aisle need to go away. Let the let the common sense, reasonable people come up with some solutions. But it's got to come from the ground up. It's got to be our agents. It's got to be our leadership in the border patrol. It's got to be the mayors, the uh, city officials, the hospital administrators, the superintendents of schools, and it's got to be business throughout the country to to understand what is it they need, so we can have a good migration plan, but also a secure border, so everybody can be safe and secure, and uh, and, and that works both sides of our border here with Mexico and, of course, uh, up north with Canada. I'll get off my soapbox there. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, my friend. It, it's important, and I'm glad you did because it is something that we need to hear. And like you said, it is, it, it's is—it's—it's common sense. You would think it would be bipartisan. you think it would be common sense. And as Donald Trump said it, and you kind of said it, you know, we need the, the big wall and then the big, beautiful doors. And we want the doors to be wide open for everybody to come in and have that opportunity for everybody because it's going to be amazing. And that's what we need to get back to is the big wall and the wide doors to allow it to make it easier for people to get in and then take the power away from the cartels that have been able to hijack that entire industry. Uh, Chris, one other point that we haven't, that really nobody really talks about, that you've started with this, and this is why you and I are going to get along so well, is because you partnered with some really awesome people to do this. But the other aspect that we don't talk about a lot is the emotional side and the uh, the really the emotional state that many of these Border Patrol agents, law enforcement agents, veterans go through when it comes to depression and anxiety and the stuff that they see on a daily basis and the stuff that they do on a daily basis. And you're working with um, some pretty awesome people with within the rock and roll and metal industry, which is why, again, you and I are going to be awesome uh, with a couple of different bands to try and make an awareness to this and try and bring some awareness to and help out these individuals. What do you got going on? Well, no, thank you. Because at the end of the day, uh, I may have retired the uniform, but it's, it's it's in my heart. It's in my DNA. It's in my blood. Right. Uh, 
in, in whatever order that should actually be, uh, medically speaking. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, one thing uh, that I that I noticed over the last few years was the decline in the morale of our of our agency, but law enforcement in general, because uh, I mean, the entire profession has been attacked by you know, by certain movements and progressive movements, defund police, defund ICE, defund Border Patrol, all that, right? It takes a toll when all these men and women that wear the uniform do is try to do good, right? I mean, look, we understand that there are always going to be, you know, statistically speaking, there's some bad actors everywhere. But most agents that I ever uh, knew that ever worked for me came to work with their heart in the right place and their head on the right place uh, to focus on doing their mission. And over the last few years, and specifically uh, the last two years, uh, I started seeing a, a drastic decrease of just complete demoralization by the administration. And um, in, 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 I'll go back to the, the famous uh, Del Rio Horse Patrol incident where, you know, the, the picture was a very dynamic picture that looked like agents on horseback had been whipping migrants. And we know that that was, that was debunked the moment that that uh, picture went out. The cameraman said, no, I, there was no whipping. They don't have whips. This is ridiculous. But when the president of the United States is, is convicting agents saying they will pay for strapping, when the vice president, when the secretary get out there publicly and and basically demonize the Border Patrol, I was almost a thousand miles away and my stomach was sick going, I can't believe this is happening. So yeah. I, I, I took a I took a stance on, on the mental health and the mental hygiene, if you will, of our workforce. And um, and so I started reaching out to players and or people that were playing in this arena and got some guest speakers. And I developed a relationship with uh, first with some uh, former NFL players and, uh, and they came down the border and, and, and got to see firsthand what was going on. But most importantly, got to thank the men and women of the United States Border Patrol for what they do and what yeah. they're doing and hear their stories and hear all the things that they're up against. And, um, and so that opened up some doors and, you know what I'm doing, and, and, I, and I'll get to that in a minute. But it also it connected me with some other folks that are working on uh, uh, veteran programs for uh, suicide awareness and, um, and and their mental health for a lot of our veterans. Now, I am not a military veteran. I have uh, uh, military uh, family members. Uh, my brother-in-law served uh, multiple times in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, family members from uh, from from down the road, but. Yeah, well, I, t- I tell you what, Chris, hold on the line there because uh, it's, it's, it's the it's the perfect tease and the buildup for this for where we're where we're going and what you guys are working on and some cool people that you're working with to bring an awareness to this. This is really important. Yeah. So we'll do that when we come back with Chris yeah. Clem. You can find him on the Tweety at C Clem official on the Tweety. Lots more coming up. One more segment here on the Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into the program. Man, it flies right on by. So much to talk about trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. I've been waiting for this moment right here pretty much the entire program today. As uh, just because I get an opportunity, I get an excuse to do this here as we're hanging out with Chris Clem today. Uh, he is a Border Patrol chief retired that you've seen uh, for the last so many years watching the border, fighting the good fight down at the border and trying to make the American dream stay alive for so many individuals, not only through 
the Border Patrol work, but also working with uh, different celebrities, different NFL players, different rock bands that try and bring awareness to suicide, to depression, to anxiety, to the, the personal stuff that they have to deal with, with the lack of resources and the lack of support that they get when they do their job. One of them, and I just got to throw this out here, Chris, that one of yeah. our favorite bands, I enjoy them immensely. They just came out with another album, but the Butcher Babies yeah. with Carla Harvey and Heidi Shepard. I know you work with them closely that we'll talk about in a second. They have their new album out, and this just gives me an excuse to play a clip of it because I can. So let me let me yeah. see here. Let me do this. Here we go. Okay, yeah, people, I know, people are yeah. like, oh my gosh, Andy, my ears are bleeding, but I don't care, I love it. Talk about yeah. what you're doing with Carly, yeah. because she does a lot of yeah, work with this, well, doesn't she? Well, so that's a, that's in the very beginning phases, but I, I, and I'll get to the rock part, but uh, yeah, Sports Legends Supporting Border Heroes is what we're working on, on one foundation, that's yeah, these uh, all former professional athletes who have who have a voice and a platform and care about our front, uh, frontline workers and first responders and board trades. We're starting that foundation. We're crawling. We'll be walking soon, and, and that's helpful. But that's also opened the doors to the Raven Drum Foundation, which is founded by Rick Allen, the drummer for Def Leppard, Matt Sorum uh, from Guns N' Roses, Belt Revolver. My wife and I had an opportunity to go visit with them in Palm Springs in April to go to their foundation, and that's branching out from, from veterans to also first responders, and that's where I – kind of connected the dots here because my parent agency or my former parent agency, CBP, has over 22,000 veteran employees. And so we're dealing with a crisis uh, at the border. We're dealing with crisis when it comes to migrants, but there's also a crisis with our workforce. We had 22, yeah. I think it was 22 suicides last year, 12 of them were board trainings, and one of them was my agent. So uh, so it's, it's passionate with me. So I reached out to Carla Harvey, who's one of the front women from uh, Butcher Babies, and she's a grief counselor. And so I, I started having a conversation with her about it. Maybe, maybe there's a way we can, we can do that in, in a kind of a, a, a death counselor, if you will, because that's, that's inevitable, right? We're all going to deal with it. And, uh, and so I actually uh, uh, I have the opportunity uh, to meet with her on Monday. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes because not only am I a huge fan uh, and just a, just a huge rock and roll metal fan, but I get to I get to actually uh, hopefully have a conversation with her regarding this topic and see where we can take it. I mean, she's fixing to start touring, but but it's a conversation that needs to happen. Um, and and that's I think what's critical to to all our professionals, but our our first line and uh, uh, frontline employees, our, our yeah. EMTs, our, our, our ER nurses, our board trades, our police officers, sheriff's deputies, um, they're the ones here protecting all of us. And so yes, I I, I am a huge metal fan. Uh, in fact, as soon as we wrap this up, my wife and I are heading up to Phoenix and going to the Misfits. So they're playing yes. tonight. It's going to be 115 degrees, but it'll be uh, Doyle, Glenn, and Jerry, and I think Dave Lombardo on drums. I, I, I think he's with them right now. But it's going to be a great show. It's going to be hot, uh, but it's going to be punk and metal, and that's good. And then I'll be on a plane tomorrow heading to Texas, and I'll be seeing the Butcher Baby. So I'll have to report back to how that went. And, and uh, certainly certainly excited about, uh, about the concerts here the next uh 72 hours. Man, that just makes me happy that right there. That's the most metal thing I ever heard in my whole life. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. I love it because it's few and far between. We are a great metal community, and it's great to see a fellow metalhead. And I'm so glad that you're able to work with them to bring an awareness. Yeah. As this progresses, we have to get you back on the program. And I think Carla needs to come on this program as well because she's also one that I highly enjoy listening to uh, very much so. But, Chris, we're out of time, my friend. If people want more information real quickly, how can they reach out to you, and how can they learn more about what you're doing here? 
Well, I think the, the best thing to do is reach out to me through Twitter on C, uh, C-Clam Official. Uh, the, uh, you message me that way. Uh, get a hold of me through, uh, through that. And, and that's how you contact. And I'll be more than happy to talk to you. And, and of course, Americans for Prosperity. Yeah, Americans for Prosperity. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the program. But let's do it again real soon. You got it. Hey, appreciate it very much. There it is, man. Chris Clem. You can find him again on the Tweety at C. Clem Official on the Tweety. You can find more information. We'll definitely get him back on the show and do another update here again real soon. But that does it for us today again. Man, the weekend flies right on by way too quick. We'll do it again next weekend. Also, check out our weekday program. Check out the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting sites at The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. And, of course, our website with all the information, links to our affiliate radio stations, and a heck of a lot more at HoosierReason.com. Again, HoosierReason.com. Until then... It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.